This morning I'll be reading Samuel 23, 1 through 12. One day news came to David that the Philistines were at Cala, stealing grain from the threshing floors. David asked the Lord, Should I go and attack them? Yes, go and save Cala, the Lord told him. But David's men said, We're afraid even here in Judah. We certainly don't want to go to Cala to fight the whole Philistine army. So David asked the Lord again. And the Lord replied, Go to Cala, for I will help you conquer the Philistines. So David and his men went to Cala. They slaughtered the Philistines and took their livestock and rescued the people of Cala. Now, when Abiathar, son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Cala, he brought the ephod with him. Saul, excuse me, Saul soon learned that David was at Cala. Good, he exclaimed. We've got him now. God has handed him over to me for he has trapped himself in a walled town. So Saul mobilized his army to march Cala and besiege David and his men. But David learned of Saul's plan and told Abiathar, the priest, to bring the ephod and asked the Lord what he should do. Then David prayed, O Lord, God of Israel, I have heard that Saul is planning to come and destroy Cala because I am here. Will the leaders of Caleb betray me to him? And will Saul actually come as I have heard? O Lord, God of Israel, please tell me. And the Lord said, he will come. Again, David asked, will the leaders of Caleb betray me and my men to Saul? Again, the Lord replied, yes, they will betray you. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. It was Don Hickling reading for us this morning. I always know when he's in church because he sits right behind me. So is Don here today? Thank you. Our theme, uh, as you know, is hearing God. Uh, just to say, this is the I think the seventh message uh, in the series, and uh, there are sermon notes available this morning in your Sunday news if that's helpful for you. Kind of gives a sense of direction where we're we're heading. Friends, what a week in our world. In Orlando, Florida, the most senseless shooting you can imagine. The worst shooting massacre in the history of our neighbor country to the south. Fifty people dead, including the shooter, in a gay bar in the city of Orlando. Our hearts uh, go out to uh, the families of these that have lost their loved ones. Uh, What a tragedy. And the heart of God breaks for the hatred that is prevalent in our world. Pray for these families as they grieve. And in Britain, the life of a young member of parliament was taken, probably the result of political hatred in the country. And then the legendary Gordie Howe was buried this week. It was not a tragedy, but it was a, it was a man who was called Mr. Hockey himself and such fond memories. And the comedian Billy Crystal gave a wonderful tribute to the late Muhammad Ali last week at Ali's funeral service. 
They were very close friends. Billy Crystal is at his finest uh, in this eulogy as he weaves the story of getting to know Ali and finding a place in his heart. And Muhammad Ali called him my little brother, my little brother. You might not know the name Angelo Dundee, but everybody knows uh, Muhammad Ali, perhaps the most famous professional boxer of all time. For more than two decades, this man was in Muhammad Ali's uh, corner, literally. He was Ali's corner man. He's the one who made Ali float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. He also trained 15 other world boxing champions. Angelo Dundee described his uh, role as a cornerman this way. He said, when you're working with a fighter, you're a surgeon, an engineer, and a psychologist. And they seemed to click really well. And Dundee taught him, Muhammad Ali, a whole lot of his tricks. And of course, Ali was pure talent from the word go. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have something even better than a surgeon, engineer, psychologist in our corner. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. And I'm so delighted to be able to say that this morning. We have the Holy Spirit in our corner uh, throughout the journey of our lives. And he is an amazing trainer, and he is an amazing coach, and he gives us what we referred to last week as the still small voice. Or sometimes we call them leadings and promptings or whispers from the Holy Spirit. Through the, through the centuries of time, Christians have given different names to the marvelous way in which God communicates. In his journal, George Fox uh, the Quaker wrote about the Lord opening a truth to him by which he meant that God had spoken directly to him, though not necessarily audible, but to the mind. John Calvin spoke of the inner testimony of the Holy Spirit, the inner testimony of the Holy Spirit. And St. Ignatius talked of the movement of the soul, thoughts and feelings or desires that move us closer to the heart of God. So the Holy Spirit is our coach, and we are blessed. We are absolutely blessed to be guided by him every day. We can look to him for the very momentous decisions of life, but he's also very delighted to coach us and lead us in areas of life that are maybe even mundane, maybe even very common to the everyday living, the pretty standard day-to-day -day, uh, decisions that we, that we need to make. So our reminder this morning is that our God wants to lead us and he wants to guide us in the road that he has marked out for us and that he has not left us alone. Uh, and one of the important applications for hearing God's voice uh, and that is so key is that he will actually guide us and he will set the direction for our lives. So think about that with me this morning if you would. First of all, that God gives specific direction to your life. He will. Richard Foster wrote a great book worth every moment to read and every moment to reread called Celebration of Discipline. And in that book, he writes, In our day, heaven and earth are on tiptoe, waiting for the emerging of a spirit-led, spirit-empowered people. All of creation waits expectantly for the springing up 
of disciplined, freely gathered people who know in this life the life and power of the kingdom of God. Such a people will not emerge until there is among us a deeper, more profound experience of an Emmanuel, of the Spirit, God with us. A knowledge that in the power of the Spirit, Jesus has come to guide his people himself. An experience of his leading that is as definite and as immediate as the cloud by day and the fire by night. Great words by Richard Foster. Friends, we can all learn how to be open to the promptings of the Spirit. They're not reserved for the elite or for leaders. They're not reserved for people who work as pastors or as missionaries. They are not reserved for people who are more spiritual than you, not of all. The Holy Spirit can and will give direction to all of us if we desire it. The psalmist penned a thought years ago, which I think really hits the nail on the head. Listen to these words. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you, Psalm 32, 8. It has always been the heart and pattern of God. Ever since he lovingly placed us upon this planet, he has always wanted to guide us. He guided individuals throughout the Bible. I don't, have to, I don't have to recount to you this morning the stories of Abraham and Moses and David and the prophets and Peter and, and Paul and Timothy and all of those people. He guided them. He even guided church bodies as they were praying. Acts chapter 13 is a great example. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. The, the Holy Spirit guided this whole church. It was a church plant. He guided this church plant in Antioch. And God blessed them so amazingly. And they sent out a couple of people to continue to, 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 to uh, start churches all through uh, Asia Minor and Europe. The Holy Spirit guides us as a church as we ask him for direction to lead us forward. It's such a good reminder for us to be praying as a church. With fresh vigor, let us step up to praying for TCC. We are praying for a church planter these days. We're praying that, that there will, we will find a church planter who will have such a heart to lead a new group of people in a new community. And I know as we pray, the Holy Spirit will open the doors for the right person to come. He just invites us to pray. And he will, he will open the right doors for the right person to come and provide leadership. And I just want to remind us that God will guide us all as we invite him to speak into our hearts and as we hear his voice and as we obey him. Thank you for praying. Thank you for praying. God gives specific direction. Let's use a biblical example this morning and observe some of the process in receiving direction from God. So secondly, asking 
and submitting, asking and submitting. There's a bit of an out-of-the-way uh, story in 1 Samuel chapter 23 that Don read for us this morning. It's a passage that doesn't get talked about too much, but it's rather interesting. Uh, you've heard it read. The first verse says that one day news came to David that the Philistines were at Keilah stealing grain from the threshing floors, and David asked the Lord, should I go and attack them? And the Lord said, yes, go and save Keilah. Now, just a little context here that's helpful to us all. The preceding chapters remind us that David was on the run from King Saul. David, as you know, had a great start to his life. Uh, he grew up as a shepherd lad. He had an unusual, uh, over-the-top experience by killing Goliath, the enemy and leader of the Philistines. Uh, the, famous, the famous David and Goliath story, you all know it. And then a new tune hit the airwaves across Israel. You'll always like it when a new, new song comes out. And the country loved this song. But there was one person that deeply resented it. It was the king himself, King Saul. But the song was a hit. And the song was that David, uh, Saul has slain his thousands. But David, his tens of thousands. Oh, what a great song. Oh, but oh, what an uncool song at the same time. Deep resentment grew in the heart of King Saul and his hatred caused David to have to flee for his life. And many of the Psalms are written by David as he is on the run for a number of years in his life. The king and the entire army of Israel are chasing this young guy. I mean, he's just in his early 20s. He has about 600 men in his militia and they're always just one step ahead of King Saul in the army, or King Saul is just one step behind. So 1 Samuel 23 is David on the run. But in the midst of this, he gets the message that one of the Israeli towns is under attack by the Philistines. And what a dilemma. He is running from the leader of his own country, and now he's faced with the enemy of their country, the Philistines, beating up on a little town. They're taking advantage of the town. Who knows what they're doing to the people of the town besides looting them? And so David inquires of the Lord. He says, shall I go and attack these Philistines and try to rescue Keilah? Now he could have said, I got enough on my plate keeping out of harm's way from King Saul. I don't need a bloody nose over at Keilah. I mean, I've got more than I can handle. Did you ever find yourself in a position like that? We've got lots on our plates. And then something comes in. There's an opportunity that comes. And the question is, how can I handle this? How can I possibly do this? I don't think I can manage this. And yet there is this sense that we are to be involved. But what if I do that? And what does it mean for all this? How do you, what, do you, what do you do with that? He asks some of the questions, what shall I do? He might have thought, well, I'm God's anointed, you know, I'm, 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 the new, uh, I'm, I'm the new king designate. I can do this. I can take care of Goliath. I can take care of the bunch. God is, is with me. I'm just looking after business here. He could have had that attitude, but that wasn't David either. He wasn't cocky or arrogant. He didn't back away because his plate was overflowing. 
But neither did he have a knee-jerk reaction and just jump in and assume that God's going to back him up because he's the king designate. And David's men weren't so sure about taking on the Philistines. They basically said, we're on precarious ground right here in our country. Fighting, we're fighting our own battles. And we don't need to take on any extra challenges. And here's what's important to us. Because we all come to junctures in life where we have to say, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Here I'm facing a crossroads in my life. What am I going to do? You can charge ahead and just do it and ask, not ask God at all. You can just do it and who knows how it will work out. Or you can bring it to God and you can put it under his supervision and you can say, God, I really want to know. I really want to know which is the best way to go. David wanted to know. So he asked the Lord and he said, Lord, uh, which way shall I go? And, and the Lord said, I want you to go to Keilah. And I've put this in your pathway and I want you to go down and I want you to save the little town of Keilah. After the hesitation of his men, maybe David was feeling, did I hear you correctly, Lord? I think we all feel that deeply at times. Did I hear you correctly? I know sometimes when I'm praying and I'm listening for the voice of God, I'm just saying, did I hear that clearly? Is that really you speaking, Lord? Did I hear that clearly? We want to hear well, but do we? So verse 4 says, So David asked the Lord again, and again the Lord replied, Go down to Keilah, for I will help you conquer the Philistines. Now, I know this is not new to you all, but I would say often we get going in the busyness, busyness of life and we forget to inquire of the Lord in so many different areas of our lives. Is that true in your life as it is in mine? He, in fact, wants to direct us. He has some specifics for us. He has a plan for us. Now, this is a refreshing change from just adopting ABC formulas to figure out what to do in any given situation. Start a new church plant, read the textbook on church planning, ABC, this is how it works. Want to get involved in worship ministry? Just, just read the manual, ABC, this is how it works. Or, or whatever it is. And I love going to a conference or two especially the one coming up in August, the Leadership Summit. It's my favorite. I learn a lot there. And, uh, but you just can't take it and say that's the formula. You just try to hear what God is saying through it, how God has challenged other men and women through the years, and just kind of learn from them. But always we are really asking the Lord, what's the next step? Lord, would you, would you speak into my heart? Would you help me hear your voice? Would you help me to hear clearly? There's a plan for every one of our lives. There's a plan for every one of our lives. God doesn't just send us out into the world and say, make the best of life as one of my followers. Hey, just be as creative as you can be. Just do, just do the very best you can do. Just be creative. You know, you, I put this in. You just do it. 
No, the Bible reminds us that God has a plan for each one of our lives and that the only success in ministry is to find out what God's plan is for you and to submit to it. You're not a leaf just blowing in the wind. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your ministry. God has a plan for your future. And so the little word that I'm just putting a circle around this morning is inquire, inquire, inquire. One of the first steps is to submit to God's will. Just say, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? And begin by completely submitting to God's will. Whether it's a yes or a no, can you authentically say, I want your will, Lord. This is not about me. This is about you, Lord. This is about your kingdom. I mean, if we come to the situation with really not wanting God's guidance, we'll find a way, subtly, to filter out his voice so we get our own way. We'll find a way to, to, to filter out his voice. David went to the Lord twice on this very important question. Lord, what is my responsibility here? Do you want me to be involved in saving the town of Keilah? And you see the answer from God. It is a recurring answer. In other words, a recurring word from God is a reason for us to take note. It is often an indication that God is speaking. God called Samuel three times. On the third time, Eli got it and said, Oh, it must be God. So he told Samuel to respond to the voice the next time. Just respond to that. When we hear a recurring theme in our lives, maybe the thought keeps coming to our minds. It is wise to pull aside to say, Lord, are you trying to get my attention? I hear it over and over again. Are you trying to get my attention? The Lord says to David, I want you to go and save Keilah. So asking and submitting, Lord, what do you want? I'm open and I'm fine with however you answer. Because if you say no, then I know that's the best. And if you say yes, then I know that's the best because I know you love me and I know you have a great plan for my life and you will open the right doors. Thirdly, confidence in the Lord's personal word to you. Here's a challenge, to have confidence in the Lord's personal word to you. David got a personal word from God, which was basically, go. Short and simple. When you get a personal word, it gives you such confidence. If you're not sure about the word you believe you're receiving, you can get some help in trying to discern if it's from God or not. Let me give you a few quick helps here. Number one, consider if the message or its outcome would violate any scriptural principles. It cannot contradict the principles of God's written word. Does it violate any scriptural principles? I think that's obvious and clear. Secondly, reflect on the tone of the word or the message. Does it bear the distinguishable tone of God's voice or that of the enemy? Some of you uh, probably uh, read Ann Voskamp's daily blogs. I read some of them. She had a piece the other day that was just great. She writes, God's voice calms while Satan's voice obsesses. God's voice comforts while Satan's voice worries. God's voice convicts, but Satan's voice condemns. God's voice encourages, but Satan's voice discourages. God's voice enlightens, 
but Satan's voice confuses. You know, even when God's voice calls you to do something difficult, and it's God's voice, it's amazing how it's, it's, even though it's difficult, it's peaceful. There is a confidence. There is something that is, it's hard, but there is a strength and a peace that God gives. What is the tone of the word of the message? Do you sense this is the voice that lifts and encourages and brings life and not the opposite? Thirdly, look for confirmation as you read the Bible. Gideon asked for additional confirmation. Uh, you may know that as the story of the fleece. Uh, he, and, and that uh, probably may not look like a fleece to you. It may look like a bear rug or something, but that's a fleece. Uh, he really wanted to know if the message he was getting from God uh, was from God or not. If he's going to step out of his comfort zone, he wanted to know that God was leading him. And he needed God just to confirm that a couple of times. Then receive confirmation through others. Do you have other people around you that you can run things past? You trust them. You respect their counsel. And you look to see how they would process this information. Don't look, simply look for someone who will tell you what you want to hear. What you need is truth. Can you help me discern if this is from God? Now, the scripture we have in front of us is unique in the fact that David doesn't get confirmation from his men. Uh, they weren't on the same page. And I think that's what made David ask the Lord a second time, should I go and save Keilah? And the Lord said, yes, you need to go. Then uh, fourthly or fifthly, see if circumstances point in the same direction. See if circumstances point in the same. Sometimes we start writing down all the pros and all the cons, and we, we kind of see what direction this thing is taking. Sometimes when you do that, you will sense that, ah, this, is, this just kind of makes good sense. And the circumstances are pointing in this direction, and it adds assurance to what you're thinking. It is one of the checkpoints, but I would just say it is just one of the checkpoints. Confidence in the Lord's personal word to you. And then finally, obedience to God's guidance. Obedience to God's guidance. 1 Samuel 23, 5 confirms that David and his men went to Keilah. They slaughtered the Philistines, they took all their livestock, and they rescued the people of Keilah. Now, he was obedient, David, and God gave him success in rescuing the people of that town. John Ortberg, uh, who is pastoring in um, close to San Francisco, tells a heartwarming story. He writes, uh, 15 years ago, he said, I was walking in Newport Beach, Southern California, with two friends. Uh, two of us were on staff, and one was an elder in the church uh, that I was involved in. And he said, we walked past a bar, and a fight had been going on inside the bar and had spilled out onto the street, just like an old western. And several guys were beating up on this one guy, and he was bleeding profusely from the forehead. We knew we had to do something, so we went over to break the fight up. He said, I didn't have much experience in that kind of thing. I, never, uh, I missed the class in seminary where we learned how to break up fights. Uh, he said, and I don't think we were very intimidating. 
But we went over to where the fighting was and said, hey, you guys cut that out. It didn't do much good. But then all of a sudden they looked at us with fear in their eyes and the guys that had been beating up the one guy stopped and they started to slink away. And I didn't know why until we turned and looked behind and out of the bar came this huge, huge guy. He said, the biggest guy I'd ever seen in my life. He was six foot, seven inches, maybe 300 pounds, 2% body fat, just huge. Uh, and he said, we called him Bubba. Not to his face, but afterwards when we talked about him, and Bubba didn't say a word, he just stayed there and flexed. And you could kind of tell he was just hoping maybe they'd, they'd try and have a run at him. He said, John said, all of a sudden my attitude was transformed. And I said to those guys, you better get out of here uh, because you, we don't want you around here anymore. He said, I was a different person because I had a great big Bubba behind me. I was ready to confront with resolve and firmness. I was resolved, released from anxiety and fear. I was filled with boldness and confidence. I was ready to help somebody that needed helping because I had a big Bubba. And then he writes, if I were convinced that Bubba was with me 24 hours a day, I would have a fundamentally different approach to my life. If I knew Bubba was behind me all day long, you wouldn't want to mess with me. But he's not. I can't count on Baba. But you know, how big is your God? One who is greater than Baba has come. And you don't have to wonder whether or not he will show up. Because he's always there. He's always in your corner. And you don't have to be afraid, David. You don't have to be nervous to go to Keilah. You have a great big God, and he's called you to do something. So get on with it. And if he's called us, if he's called us, he will see us through. He will see us through. Well, it immediately, uh, it immediately raised a whole new issue. Uh, suddenly, um, Saul the king became aware that David was at Keilah and, and Saul thought he had tr him trapped because he was in a walled city and he mobilized his army to capture David and David heard about the plan and, and you have to be impressed with David again that instead of panicking he went right back to the Lord again and he inquired, there's that word, he inquired of the Lord put a circle around that word and he said to the Lord, Will the leaders of Keilah betray me to Saul? And will Saul actually come as I have heard? O Lord God of Israel, please tell me. And the Lord said, He will come. And David asked, Will the leaders of Keilah betray me and my men to Saul? And the Lord replied, Yes, they will betray you. Well, that was enough for David to get out of Dodge. But he was obedient to what God wanted him to do. His battles weren't over. 
There was plenty of journey left and lots of things, miles for, for David to travel, but he was obedient. We all have areas in our lives in which we need to hear from God. And the Bible informs us that uh, there are so many areas about faith and teaching that we already know about in the Bible. We just have to know what the Bible says about those areas. But then there are other areas where we need to inquire about strategy and direction. Paul tells Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. But he doesn't tell him how. The, Lord is, the Bible is silent about that. So we have to go to the Lord and ask for wisdom and direction. We believe God's calling us to plant another church, but we need to go to the Lord and say, but how? How should this look? Who should be the planter? What should be the strategy? What is the timing in this, Lord? What are you saying to us? Give us your direction. No Bible verse tells you who you're supposed to marry, and yet there's a plan for you of who you should marry. The Bible gives us some guidelines about being together in the journey of faith. But we need to ask the Lord strategically who that person is. David inquired of the Lord all through the Old Testament. You find that whenever David was at his best, he was inquiring of the Lord. He would come to an important intersection of his life, perhaps a crisis, and then he would stop and he'd just draw a circle around that word. He would inquire of the Lord. He knew that he needed God at every turn. It wasn't significant that he was the king. He didn't walk around like Superman. He walked around humble and dependent. So reminders this morning that he gives specific direction. Just ask him, inquire of him, be willing to submit to him, and, and be, be okay with ever, either way it goes, and then gain confidence in the personal word he gives you it takes some time and some experience to gain confidence, but it will grow in your heart and then significantly, of course, is to be obedient to the guidance that the Lord brings our way. Amen and amen. Let's stand together as we pray. We love to hear your quiet whispers, Father. Thank you for them. Help us to inquire as we walk with you day by day. The fact that you guide us in very specific ways is so incredible to all of us. I know that you're guiding your people here. And they have many decisions to make. They, many have come today with standing at a crossroads, trying to know which way to go. What are you saying, Lord? And I pray that today that what you, by your Spirit, have spoken will give us confidence to walk boldly before you. Thank you for TCC. Thank you for how you are helping us to stop to listen and to hear your promptings so that we might walk with you in joy and in fullness as you so desire. Thank you for speaking this morning, and to you be the glory forever and ever. Amen.